0: Welcome to the AA Pod, where the podcast for health professionals and the wider community looking to explore diverse ideas in health, ask some hard questions, and have some honest conversations. My name is Archie, I'm an EP based on Sydney's Orland Beaches, and joining me as always is Allied Health business owner, Andrew. Andrew,
1: first, before we get started, what beer are we drinking today? We have got the 7th Day Brewery XPA, and... It is a very light body with a fruity and floral hop profile, which is just, just delightful. These descriptions are just delightful. (laughs) (laughs) Have you been there? Good. Good. COVID's going well. Yeah. Yourself?
0: Very well. Very, very well. Um, Have you been to the Seventh Day Brewery?
1: No, I haven't. It's in Brookie. Is it? it? Yeah. It's just down the road. We should. <laughs> we should take this podcast rogue and, on, on the road <laughs> <laughs> from D Light Brookvale. D Light Brookvale, which <laughs> for those that don't know, is is literally like five hundred meters down the road. We could but, hide um, you there. Well, I think we do. I think we need a sponsor for yeah. this podcast, and I feel like um, I feel like with uh, some floral hot profile, the seventh day might be the. Uh, might be the win.
0: We're very open for sponsorship, by the way. Um, <laughs> and, and we're a big, big fan of the seventh day. They're obviously a bronze medal at the IBA Indies 2020 Best of Independent Brewing Awards, which very, very well-known awards. <laughs> they did a great job there, and we love them for it. Um, but no, it's very good beer. You're already on to your second one already. I'm on to my
1: second one already. It's It's
0: gone down exceptionally well. There's a bit of context there. Uh, why, why are we going to talk honestly then? He's only the second beer. All right. Absolutely. So what are we talking about? Our our topic today is how to find a mentor that isn't shit.
1: (laughs) Good. Before we go down the shit route, let's talk the good ones. Okay. Well, maybe not good ones, but maybe your experience. So for, for someone that came out of uni a few years ago, Mm. you have some experience as being a mentee. Mm. yes. Do you wanna run us through kind of your experience there?
0: Yeah, I've been quite lucky. I've had a combination of structured, formal and informal mentoring, uh, where I've been the mentee in that relationship. And it's, it's been incredibly beneficial for me in my growth as a practitioner, uh, business-wise, life-wise in general, as just personal and professional development. Um, I've been quite lucky in that where I work at our company that I've had some senior practitioners there uh, who have been able to teach me quite a lot through their own experience, just through informal chats and also structured chats. And and I've learnt huge amounts from them, huge amounts. And then I've also reached out to... uh, professional mentors, people who do this and have structured programs and gone through several months' worth of structured fortnightly mentoring and learnt a lot of really, really good clinical skills. And I think the difference between what I've found with CPD courses where I go on a weekend and you have two full days of them throwing knowledge bombs and really, really good information and practical examples and this kind of stuff, the difference between that and what I found with mentoring where it's kind of spaced out in our, our sessions every two weeks for three months or so is that you have the chance to learn something, discuss something with a mentor, then go and implement it for two weeks, go and practice it with your clients and then come back, reflect, review how that went, try something new or learn a, a deeper skill or learn more about that skill and then go and do it again so you constantly get to try something then reflect try something then reflect and I think that's a really really beneficial experience and it's allowed me to change my practice and improve my practice uh, quickly in times when it might have been a lot slower for me to just learn it myself so yeah mentoring has been great for me Great for me. I'm a big advocate for it. So that's 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 my bias. That's where I come from. Um, let me flip it. What about yourself, Andrew? I know you been a, you've been the mentee and the mentor. Um, how's that experience been
1: for you? As a mentee, uh, I had very limited clinical mentoring. So what you spoke about then, I'm like. I'm envious of that. I was like, that That would definitely have, have helped me in my practice in, in getting better at being a practitioner. My mentoring as a mentee is more from a business side of things. So I'm fortunate that um, I can work with some or, or a collection of allied health business owners to you know, reach our goals as, as business owners which is, is very structured. Mm. It's very, in a, perhaps in a similar way, it's very much, here's something to implement, here's the reasoning behind it, go and do it, and then in you know, a fortnight or a month's time, mm. come back and tell us how it was. I think that sort of structure, whether it is as a practitioner or as somebody who is sort of working more behind the scenes, it's incredibly insightful because it allows you to reflect on what you've done and how successful that's been.
0: Yeah.
1: Where mentoring when I've been a mentor, hmm. it's it's kind of been that way as well because I know that my strengths now more lie in the business side of things, so I I wouldn't say I'm a good mentor for more practical applications of EP and I, I try to use that model of it's not just about slamming people with information and, and there's the value it's about working with them to understand and define what it is that they're trying to work towards mm. help them come up with that solution themselves and then be able to reflect on how that has gone interesting
0: now you do uh some mentoring through ESSA I do. Which, for those who don't know, is the EP uh, professional body in Australia. Is that a structured
1: program? It is, if you want it to be. So essentially, Essa will you you put your hand up to be a mentor for Essa? Hmm. Are there are there prerequisites? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I'd hope so, but I don't know. Um, I just put my hand up and said, "Look, I'm I'm happy to be a mentor," mm. uh, but I sort of said that my where I can offer most value would be in the business development side of things, right, okay. rather than in policy or in public health or in like practitioner.
0: Yeah. Okay. Interesting.
1: Yeah. But when I start with people, I always kind of start with that process of understanding. Well, what is it that they're actually getting mentoring? For Mm. um, and then work with them to develop the the schedule or the program that we're going to work towards because some of these things can be implemented quite quickly, others Mm. take time. So the the schedule will vary depending on what we're kind of working on.
0: Right, okay. I think you brought up an interesting point there that they they need to at least have an understanding of what they're getting mentoring for. And I can imagine that, well, I know as well, that you, you can't go in and go, okay, I want to be a better EP because that is incredibly general and you're putting the mentor in a hard position where they're then having to search and find things to, to dig up
1: answers about, well, what do you want to be better at, you know? Well, there's so many different elements to being a good EP in inverted Mm. commas. Mm. So much of that can be your interaction with someone. Some of it can be the environment in which you are operating. Mm. So to to dig deeper into what it is that people are actually looking for from a mentor is, well, if you're not doing that, then you're a bit shit. (laughs) As per the title of this podcast, because you're applying a cookie cutter approach to a unique individual's circumstance and what they're looking for in their growth.
0: Which is what I feel like the main difference is between doing a CPD course and doing one-on-one mentoring is that it it shouldn't be cookie cutter because it should be tailored to
1: the individual, right? Well, you'd hope so, yeah. And I think, again, that's where a good mentor is able to stand themselves out or stand themselves apart from a not-so-good mentor Right. Uh, because they think they can apply the same thing over and over again mm. and get the same results. Mm. Mm. Interesting.
0: So, you had a couple of questions, or well, we had a couple of topics
1: we wanted to hit here. Mm. Where do you want to start? Well, we, we touched on it before. So, we know that a good mentor is someone that will have structure, that mm. will apply themselves individually or apply, apply their their learning individually to the person that they're working with, that there is a degree of accountability, that they, they are holding their mentee accountable to the mentor, mm. right? So on the flip side of that, well, what what is a bad mentor? What does a bad mentor-mentee relationship look like? Mm. Mm. It's, it's hard, right? Because
0: I feel like there's a lot of qualities and, and some experiences aren't amazing and that might be because of the the relationship just doesn't work you guys just don't gel together or um maybe it is because of the way their mentoring isn't isn't ideal and um a couple of things i thought of was if there's an overload of information and there's a bit of word vomiting coming from the mentor i think that's counterproductive because if the person is uh, kind of over keen to provide so much information because they feel like they know a lot and they probably do but if they don't know how to give it in sizable chunks that are that can be implemented then a lot of it's going to be lost mm. so if there's too much information, too much word vomiting in not a structured way in not a sizable, eatable perfectly drinkable way then um, I think that can cause problems mm. Will be less effective. That was, that was number one for me. I think the other, the other main one that I came up with was that a mentor has to be open to listening to new perspectives as well. Mm. So, so what I mean when I say that is I feel like in order to, for someone to learn, and I'm talking about the mentee, they need to be comfortable having open discussions with with their mentor, and to have an open discussion with someone, it, it feels a lot better if the mentor is open to having a discussion about things that they've tried, things that haven't worked as well, and are open to learning new things as well, because just because things they've done have worked in the past, it's not necessarily their way or the highway. There could also be other ways. And I think it's important uh, for people to understand that there could be other ways of doing it that could work. And having an open discussion about that and listening to the mentee.
1: Definitely. I I that was that was gold. Um you, in terms of communication, like you're totally right. Hmm. Like it's gotta be, it's gotta be. The, the role of the mentor oftentimes is to help the mentee to come up with their own decision. Mm. And how you do that is by asking questions, not by just like word vomit mm. coming out. And, and exactly right. I mean, um, if, if you are in a position where you're helping others to learn, then you, you almost have to assume that what you know now might be different to the way that you're implementing that stuff in the future. Um, Because if I stand here and say, I'm going to mentor people this way and I'm going to do it this way forever, Mm. then no one's assured that I'm going to be giving good, relevant, quality advice to people. Absolutely. Because that's kind of what it is, right? Like A a role of... Why someone would seek out a mentor is that they're after some advice... They're after some reassurance and some confidence. Mm. And how you get that is not being thrown a whole bunch of content. Yeah. It's by helping that person to discover it themselves Mm. and then providing an opportunity to learn reflectively or to think reflectively about the implementation of that. Mm. Mm. That should be the role of a mentor, not just like... I I have the information... Let me plonk it on you and then you do with it what you will. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So we're, we're talking about EPs. Well, because we are EPs. Yes. And EPs, you know. Are the best. Are, are the best. best. <laughs> and so the question that I want to ask is, is, do you think you have to be a good EP to be a good mentor? Are we, I think this, I think this can be
0: relevant to not just EP. Um, but I'll answer it from an EP's perspective because that's all I can do Um, I want to first define what a good clinician is because I think that's very general Um, and I define a good clinician very very simply by good client experiences not necessarily 100% uh, outcome or uh, they come in and then they leave with no pain or I have the biggest billables that kind of thing but good client experiences. That's just, for, for the sake of this conversation, how I'm gonna simplify it. We could have an hour discussion about what is a good clinician. I mean, it's gonna write it down for the we'll next We'll write time. that down for <laughs> a topic in the future. In the meantime. Um, I think it definitely helps to be a good clinician, uh, to be a good mentor, because you'll understand this: what skills are needed, and what has worked for you in the past, and what works in practice. So I think for one, it helps. It's not everything, but it helps because there is a jump from knowing all the research and knowing what's best um, to what actually translate well into practice um, in that person's specific setting. So I think for one, it helps. However, um, I think it helps as well if they, at some point, have not always been good. Mm. So if they have had struggles as well, I think that's really important because you're, they need to be able to relate to us, the mentees. They need to be able to relate to us and understand what struggles we're going through and go, well, I've been through that before because at some point I was in your shoes. So I think at some point them having their own struggles, whether that be clinically or business wise, um, having some poor outcomes or having some poor client experiences can be really, really important. Um, I don't think that being a good clinician is necessarily the most important skill. I think the most important skill is being able to communicate and relate to the person in front of you, um, which, which is different to a client. So I think a mentor mentee relationship, um, or communicating with a mentee is different to communicating with a client in some in some aspects, and so I think they need to be skilled um, in being able to actively listen, being able to help that person reflect on their own experiences, help guide that person to self learning, and you know learn new things. Um, yeah, so I think that. I'd say that being a good clinician is important, but it's not the most important skill. Mm. That's how I'd say it. How, what do you think?
1: I would agree entirely with that. I think it Shocking. is very important. I oh know. It is very important to be a good clinician. I I don't think you could mentor someone and not be a good clinician. I don't mm. think that would go very well. I think that I like your definition of uh, what having the, the client experience as the main kind of indicator of being a good clinician because I think when you when you dig into what what does that look like it means good communication skills right and the ability to build rapport with new people very quickly. And when we look at the clinical skills that why somebody would actually try and get mentoring, in the first place, it's often that it's often like, how can I how can I be a better EP? Yeah. We can be a better EP by communicating better with people, mm. and in order to do that, you do. I think you do need to be a good communicator mm. yourself. I think learning communication skills can be taught, mm. and if you're going to get a mentor ab- about being a better EP, they really need to understand not just the the exercise prescription side of things, but the the practical application of being a good communicator. Because that is a skill and mm. it's a skill that mm. y- you can learn. But it is a skill for, for someone that's an introvert, puts you way outside of your yeah. happy little safe box yeah. and makes you makes you adapt, mm.
0: which is challenging. So let me throw something quickly at you. You have two mentors available to you. Um, One has 10 out of 10 prescription and treatment effectiveness, but a 7 out of 10 in communication skills. The other one is vice versa. So 10 out of 10 communication relates to everyone. Very, very good at all your good active listening, that kind of stuff. But only a 7 out of 10 in terms of uh, how good they are with prescription and treatment. Which one, if if these are two baseball cards, but like mentoring cards, which one is more valuable to you as a mentee? Communication. Mm. Every
1: every single day of the week, it's communication. Interesting. Because as a clinician, I can't impact people's lives the way that I want to if I can't get them to buy in... Mm to what I'm prescribing them. That's the bit that university leaves out. That's the bit (laughs) that we we should tack that on to our first one. That's the bit that we need to learn how to do better. Mm. That's where mentoring needs to have a big emphasis because it doesn't matter if you're the the best writer of programs ever. Mm. If the people that you're trying to get, change out of don't understand it or don't buy into it then it's just a waste and ultimately that's one of the reasons why people seek mentoring is to get better results for their clients I'll use an analogy to wrap up that that point there and put a ribbon on it
0: if a like a basketball coach doesn't have to be the best basketball or doesn't have to be a better basketball player than the people they're coaching but they do need to be able to communicate with them incredibly well and teach them from that side of things. So there you go. Yeah. Very nice. I don't think um, Frank Vogel, well, this is a niche reference, but I don't think Frank Vogel is a better (laughs) basketball player than LeBron James, but
1: I don't know know. what that means. So I will absolutely. Let me, let me put
0: something in your generation. I don't think
1: Phil Jackson was a better (laughs) basketball player than Michael Jordan. I understand. (laughs) Excellent. Excellent. All right, let's jump to a different topic. So, There's an opinion out there that says that if you get mentoring by someone within your organisation, that you are going to end up, well, worst case scenario, that mentoring is based on financial performance. But the only reason why I would mentor young people in my company is to get them to produce more money, Mm. right? Now, that's an extreme example, but to, to soften that a little bit, that mentoring in-house focuses on KPIs mm. rather than what we've just spoken about. So, do you have an opinion on whether or not there is a place for in-house mentoring, number one, and can it be unbiased, number two? I think there's definitely a place for it.
0: Uh, there there may, be, there, may be, there may be an agenda. But it doesn't mean that the skills they're teaching you aren't very, very useful because at the end of the day, they want you to be successful and the prerequisites to being successful are generally that you improve your clinical skills and you improve, uh, you have professional development. So whether that has an agenda of improving KPIs or, um, you know, utilization and that kind of thing, I'll take it. Um, because also they are going to be able to relate to your experience incredibly well if they work in the same company as you, cause they would have been, or hopefully most likely been through the exact same position as you. They would have dealt with the same kind of clients, the same kind of, um, area, the same clinic software, the same, um, referral kind of system, all this kind of stuff. It's exactly the same. So I think that puts them in a huge advantage to relate very, very individually to this person. Um, And if they're good, then I I don't care what their agenda is, they're good. And and I will take as much mentoring as I can get. I do think that outside mentoring is absolutely necessary though. And that you cannot just stay in your little bubble um, of the place that you work and go, well, my uh, supervising practitioner or my senior practitioner mentors me. And so I'm good. I'm getting everything I need. I don't think that's true. I think you do need to seek outside influences because it's like saying that, you know, well, the the local coach from down the road uh, is going to teach me to be the best basketball player in the world. It's like, well, how do you know? Because, you know, there are, there are basketball coaches outside your local area, you know, and no, probably let know a lot more than they do. Mm. Um, not necessarily know a lot more, but have a lot differing experiences than they do. So I think that's really, really important. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean they're unbiased, <laughs> just because they're not from, uh, uh, not from the same company as you. Um, but I, but I think it's important to, to challenge ourselves, and we're more. I feel like we'll be more likely to have our current beliefs challenged. If someone outside of our safe bubble is talking to us, is mentoring us, that's my view. I like that view. Hmm. What do you think? Because because you you provide in-house mentoring um, to people. Yep. You provided in-house mentoring to me in the past, and now it's not not in the past. Um, but you've also had. You've also mentored people outside of house as well. So what do you think?
1: I think... Are you Are gendering agendering me? Am I agendering you? Absolutely, <laughs> I'm agendering you because yeah. I have my biases and exactly. I'm aware of what my biases are. Mm. My biases are client experience. Mm. I want people to come in through our doors and have an amazing client experience. Mm. So I am going to bias my mentoring towards how can I improve the client experience mm. delivered by... The EPs or the, the whatever profession mm. that we have here. Mm. Yeah. I, I I've got no problem with that. No one's unbiased. Because when you do that, when you when you provided that comes from a place of awareness yeah. of, of what those biases are, then fuck, like why not? Like Yes, client experience is the most important thing. Mm. Yes, we would not be in the place that we are now without focusing on client experience, not just for a month here or there, but Mm. consistently over the last three years. Mm. And when we teach our new grads how to improve their client experience, guess what happens? Yeah. Their utilisation goes up, their rebooking goes up, their cancellation goes down. Mm. We don't focus on those things but they're a natural kind of flow-on effect from when we focus on the person. Yeah. So I've got no problem in saying that we we do it this particular way and, yes, we have a bias, but I still think that's a good way to do it. Mm. I think that there are people out there that would say that there is definitely bias mm. and and that's okay. Like, I don't have a problem with... With bias, provided it's it's coming from a place of let's try and get the best outcome for this person as you possibly can. Like it depends
0: if if you if the mentee uh, agrees with the values of that uh, mentor and that company, then they probably have similar feelings about it and would agree with the 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 background and the bias that they're coming from yeah. and the agenda.
1: Yeah, that's like, absolutely.
0: Wow. Okay. Do I want a mentor that wants to help me improve client experience? Yes. <laughs> <So> <laughs> if if that's the agenda, then absolutely right. So I think there's no reason to turn
1: away from something like that. No, exactly right. And I think there's also I don't think I believe that there's also a place to to think outside of that as well. There's nothing wrong with having a successful business, mm. and you can focus. You can get mentoring to have a successful business. And what I've found more recently is that looking outside of allied health actually provides a different perspective on the client experience or on the way that you determine whether or not something is successful or not. Because when you start broadening your understanding about well, what, what benchmarks should you be aiming for, mm. I think limiting yourself to, because let's say, for example, a a real estate agent, right? So a real estate agent wants to get the best for their homeowner by providing an experience to new buyers or prospective renters about what they're about to spend their money on, Mm. right? That's not immoral and that's not unethical. That's just them doing a good job. So... Why should we kind of limit ourselves to just focusing on the the four walls in which we operate? It's a big crossover of skills,
0: isn't it? Yeah. So you're talking not just crossover between different health
1: professions, but outside of the health profession completely. Exactly. Because a lot of, uh, well, not a lot, I'm fortunate because I I have a few mentors now. and, And some of those, well, one in particular, come from outside the realms of allied health. And it, and it's made me question a lot of things mm. about well what, is, what does what success look like what does um, what is it that we're actually working towards and how can you kind of define that I think you can find good mentors outside of your company mm. and I think there's a lot of lot of great people that do that um, I also think you can find good ones within and. That's not them just beating the company rhetoric. That's them actually giving a shit about the person that they're mentoring and helping that person grow in in their unique circumstances.
0: So I think that falls into a point that I want to make and talk about if you are looking for a mentor, what qualities should you be looking for in the person? And... To me, the number one is someone who has similar values to you or values similar things in whatever area you want mentoring in. So if that is uh, building client experience and using improving your communication skills to get there, then that's what you should be looking for, is a very, very good communicator, whether they're in the same profession as you or not.
1: Mm. Um, and, and just to, to labour on that yeah. point for a second, I think... We've spoken about communication here and previously, and I think communication is intensely, immensely, not intensely, maybe intensely as well, very intense. important. And I think some of the best people to learn communication skills from mm-hmm. are not within the scope of allied health. Yeah. They are professional presenters that do keynotes every day mm. um, that do it for a living and know how to teach those skills to people. Because, again, if you limit yourself to learning communication from people that are just within your profession, that's a very, very small piece of the pie. And it's perhaps not the best people that you could be learning communication skills from. Mm -hmm. I'm fortunate that I've done Vin Jang's communication course. Mm -hmm. And if you haven't done that, you should YouTube Vin Jang because he teaches people how to communicate better. Mm -hmm. And it's it's amazing. And he's a he's a magician. Yeah. Um and incredibly insightful and incredibly practical ways mm. that you can teach communication skills to someone. But it's the skills, right? It's it's learning the skills and then having your clinical context to apply those skills in an interaction with a client. Mm. I think that's that's hugely important and not just limiting yourself to the scope of, I need to find a, a mentor who is an EP yeah. who can teach me communication. Yeah. I who works in
0: private practice and has similar experiences. Me. Yeah. yeah.
1: No, I think there's, yeah. there's um, very, very amazing people out there that do so, it. So breaking down
0: what you want from a mentor into values and specific skills rather than uh, my job and my setting. Exactly. It's probably a better way to do it. Yeah, on that point, uh, let let's let's talk about. So we've talked about what what is a good mentor, what is a bad mentor, what qualities do good and bad mentors have. Let us answer the big question, and it's like where where do we find not shit mentors?
1: <laughs> um, that's a great question. You'll probably meet some of them um, when you go to CPD courses and things like that. You'll probably come across people that naturally attract other people towards them. And you go well. Hmm, that person's got something to to offer there. Mm. Um, I I think that's that's one way is is just being aware of who else is in the room. Mm. You can find them on social media. I mean, Instagram lots, lots of people, lots of people have a social media account, and again, just because you have a social media account and say you're a good communicator doesn't mean that you should perhaps mentor people, mm. but. They are out there and if you follow someone for for long enough and you see how valuable the information that they are giving is useful to you, then you can go, right, well, here's someone that I think I can learn something of. Mm. And then you might just approach them whether it's whether it's through a DM or whether it's just through, you know, uh, an email message or, or whatever. I think a DM is a great way to do it. We... We live in an age
0: where like an Instagram DM is often a first point of contact with a person you don't know. And it's incredibly non-intrusive. And it's quite nice. It's informal. And if people are posting on Instagram a post you're interested in, even just asking them a question about that or starting a discussion with them in their DMs is a great way to start a conversation and then lead towards, hey, could we, um, are you, you know, able to set up a, a time with me where we can have a chat about this, mm.
1: you know, because if 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 that is what they're posting about and if it is what they're they're truly interested in doing, then they would welcome that. Yeah, right. They would go, yes, absolutely, that's fantastic. I think one of the biggest things that I've learned over the last few years is there's there's so many people out there mm. that would just say yes to that. Yeah, like it. It's amazed me when I've. Being someone who's very introverted and to go and reach out to people is often very like challenging. Mm. But I've I've combated that by just trying to do it and make a conscious effort to do it. And people say yes. And that's mm. the weird thing, is that I'm I'm one of our um one of our women's health physios at the moment is looking at getting some mentoring, some clinical mentoring. And we reached out to literally a women's health physio down the road mm. to say like, cause of COVID we can't go and do it where we wanted to do it previously. Would you be open to, to doing some mentoring? And she said, yes. And yeah. it's like, well, you're in direct competition. Yeah. You're, you're literally like a mm. kilometer down the road, but it's, it's that mentality of abundance. Yeah. I want to help people. I have mm. the opportunity to help someone. Mm. Why not? Especially in
0: health, where and, and we've done personality tests and these kind of things, where the vast majority of us are here because we want to help people. <laughs> so the most likely answer is if you ask someone it's like, "Hey, can you help me?"
1: They're more likely to say yes than no. Yeah, they they will, and if they if they say no, it would be. That there might be somebody else based on what you want to learn that they would recommend you speaking to about that, mm. um, but but with with that social media sort of with the social media intrusiveness in our lives, people know when you're sending them messages. People know. People can see it, and they'll read it. And if it's something that aligns with them, they'll help. Mm. And if it doesn't, then they'll probably send you to, oh, you should go and check out this guy because I think this guy would, would be much better.
0: Everyone's got a connection. Everyone's got a network, right? They know the people who enjoy doing it who probably already do it. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I, I, have, I have one more question for you before we go. Um, I don't know how big of a rabbit hole it's going to open us into. Uh, if you reach out to a, a mentor or someone for mentoring, would you expect
1: to pay them? Yeah. Um, I would offer to pay them. Yeah. So I mentor, I choose to mentor through ESSA. Mm-hmm. And so people can access that through ESSA and people can reach out to me and, and I would not charge for that. I mm-hmm. think that's that's me personally charging for that mm-hmm. um, because I, I feel like a uh, rising tide floats all boats, right? Sure. Especially in a small profession like EP. Right? We want to get as many people operating big, or, or medium sized businesses as we mm. possibly can, mm. so that there is a you know, EP becomes a household name that's the goal. Um, however, I've just started a bit of a side hustle mm. about mentoring mm. for NDIS. Yeah, now if people want to come and, and get mentored in NDIS, then yes, I am going to charge for that mm. because the advice for that I can see tangibly how that's going to impact somebody's business. Yes. Okay. So I think there's there's different um not biases, but there's different reasons why I would mentor people. Uh, some of those reasons I would charge for, some of those reasons I wouldn't charge for. Um, I don't think I think if if you are approaching someone who is a very busy person mm. that you would probably expect to pay something right
0: their time is money right if they're a busy practitioner
1: and busy... if if they're out there on social media constantly talking about their courses or their their you know their their mentoring and things like that that's their job right mm. that's what they do all day every day mm. if they're good at it mm. they deserve to be paid for it absolutely it's a skill that they've learnt mm. they've done courses to mm. get good at it mm. so Hell yeah, they should be paid for what for what it is, and I mean the the spectrum is is quite large mm. um, in terms of how much you pay somebody for mentoring. But in approaching someone, you can have that conversation because yeah. mo- the money conversation is is just another conversation. It's going, well if you want me to pay X dollars, what am I going to get from that? Yeah, and that's a good place to have a conversation mm. because that's when you, you sort of enter that transactional mindset of, well, I'm, I'm going to be paying this person. I would hope that I'm going to get something from it. So can you tell me what I'm going to get from your mentoring? Hmm. And if you ask that question, they should have a really good answer to that Absolutely. question.
0: Yeah. It's, it's no different than booking in to see them for clinical knowledge. You setting up a time to get mentoring from them is then passing a knowledge to you so I would I would expect that they would want either, you know, some remuneration for it, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think and yeah. perhaps you can reflect on this as well, that the what you spend on that mentoring mm. with a good mentor, yeah, oh. you make back in spades oh. further down the line.
0: Well that's it, right? They're lessons that stick with you for a long, long time. And if you're okay spending you know, more than a couple hundred dollars on a CPD course, then you'd be silly not to want to do the same on mentoring because it is individual for a start. It's uh, structured over a long time. So you do get the chance to reflect on your experiences as you go and continue to learn things. And it's completely tailored to like exactly what you want. So, and it's most likely tax deductible as well. <laughs> <laughs> Hooray for, Hooray for tax deduction! Hooray for tax deduction! How's the beer going, Andrew? It was finished a little while it's ago. Finished what number two? Yeah, well, well, there you go. There are four point seven. Friday afternoon. Friday afternoon. The, the more you drink, the more we waffle. That's but, it. The more, the more spicy the conversation can get. And he's done. Okay, very nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're we're going to leave it there. We're going to put a bookmark in that. We'll be back in two weeks' time. Thank you for listening, everyone. If you'd like to leave us a review, that'll be amazing. Even a rating, give us some stars, whatever you think is appropriate, that'll be amazing as well.
1: Thank you to the the Germans. Thank you to the, Ger- the <laughs> we, Germans. We've got one
0: German listener, and if you listen again, if it wasn't an accident, and you downloaded it. We'd love to hear from you. We'll have you on the pod. We'll have you on. I <laughs> will learn Ah, <laughs> <out. laughs> uh, no, 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 no. I don't want that. Uh, okay. Um, thanks, guys. See you later. <laughs>